Oh, what what is you are beautiful in German? Uh, du bist schön. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happened, everybody? How you guys doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 58 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do. Do-do-do. Wait, did you just say 58? Yes. Wow, it's almost as old as me. Um, it's going to need another 15 years to catch up. I thought there were 20 years. Because <laughs> I'm 105, if you guys haven't figured that out already. Actually, you're turning 106 on October 24th. No way! We're on the countdown birthday month. That's right, it's my big old birthday month, month so you guys can send all of your gifts to uh, our email, and then I'll take gift cards if you like. Right, Chris and Christine Podcast at gmail.com. We definitely would take gifts, abundant gifts, sent to the attention of Chris, and that's Chris with a K. Thank you so much. By the way, thank you for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. But speaking of what we enjoy, Chris, what have you been doing with your time this past week? Well, this week it was we were living in the hotel. If you might remember, we had this big flood of the house, house disaster 2020, we like to call it now. And since they are wrapping up the um, construction stuff, the hotel um, we are not going to need the hotel much anymore. Right. So we are because why? What is the big thing that we now have? Wait, do you feel that? <sighs> do you feel that? That's it, not the ocean breeze. It's cool air from the air conditioning system we just had installed last week. Yes. Wow, it made a huge difference. Like better than where it was even before with the old air conditioner. Like it, it feels cool up here. Right, not hot. I know, it's been wonderful. It's amazing. So you moved home when? I moved back home yesterday, being Saturday. I packed up the last of the luggage around the, uh, the I was almost called it an apartment, <laughs> but it's a hotel room. Yeah. And then I, so I packed everything up, ran it over here. Christine left the night before. Oh, I'm sorry, the uh, afternoon yeah. before, right? Yeah, the afternoon before. I felt like a pack mule carrying everything back to the house by myself. Thank you very much. And technically, we're still at the hotel. Um, until tomorrow. Until well, No, we have to, until the 16th, right? No, we have to check out tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, maybe when we go over there, we'll do a, quaint, a nice clean sweep through the hotel and see if we left anything. I almost forgot our brand new business cards. I had We had those ordered brand new business cards for the podcast, and I had them in a box. I put the box at the hotel to go check it out and you know all that fun stuff, and I left them on a little end cap next to the bed on the little bookshelf thing, and I was about, just about to leave yesterday, and I noticed them sitting under there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I won't forget those <laughs> things. My goodness. Well, good thing you didn't forget those because they are adorable. They're so cute. And as Ezekiel said when he looked at them last night, they're fire. Fire. He's like, these are fire. And Chris is like, what? Like they need to be on fire? And I he's said, don't, like, don't put them in the fire. He's like, no, no, they're fire. Like they're they're cool. These are lit. And I was like, okay, I need to catch up on teenage lingo. Right. Who knows? You know. So, but anyways, we moved out. We're back in the house. The construction's done. The only thing we got to do now is really kind of put the garage back together, where I can park the my poor baby out of the sun, put her back in the her bedroom, and I'm talking about the Z. And if you can't see me right now because this is an audio podcast, not a visual one, I'm rolling my eyes because this one over here has been like every minute. 
well, I need to go clean the garage right now. And I'm like, I already did the majority of it. No, I've got to move everything and plug everything back in. There's still a couple of things from the contractor that can't be moved out yet until like they Like the come. drywall he's got against that wall there? Well, that's not the big deal. It's the baseboard that's still sitting there, but it only it's so long that it only fits diagonally in the garage, not straight. And so Chris is like having a conniption fit yesterday. My, I've got to get my baby back in the garage. And I'm like, um, how about you get settled in first, sunshine? Well, thanks for calling me sunshine, by the way. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. that. Was There was a hint of sarcasm in my joke. If, er, no. my voice. If you can't tell, I'm a bit edgy today. Edgy? Christine? Never. <laughs> nah. Whatever. Oh, you're just picking at me now. I know, aren't I? Yeah. So we have the water heaters up, and that thing feels amazing. It is state-of-the-art. It is awesome because it runs hot water nonstop once it gets going, and it feels amazing. Did it feel great today when you took a shower? Yeah, and Zeke and I tested it out. He was in the boys' bathroom in the hallway showering while I was in our bathroom, and we were both running the hot water, and it didn't run out. It did not, and it kept on pumping that hot water, and it was great. I think, does it have some new kind of like filtration system on it? Because I think it like even felt differently. Like It almost felt like less, um, what's the stuff? I um. Like this hard water, harsh water you're talking about? No, I think you're just making that up. There's less pressure because of them fixing the water regulator, the pressure regulator. Right. And so maybe that makes a difference. I mean, it didn't feel as like pelting me. Right. And put holes through you like shooting arrows at you in the shower. (laughs) It was actually so relaxing today. And Chris kept coming in. He's like... Babe, I got this, this, and this from Target. And I said, can I just please enjoy my shower? Yesterday, how many times did you interrupt me while I was showering? Not at all. (laughs) That would be uh, inaccurate. That was five times. And well, I finally I said, excited to talk to you. you know, I, know. I haven't seen you all week. I want to talk to you. I missed you so You're much. You're ridiculous. I've had coffee with you every morning last no, week. No, well, no, yeah. Except but, for one one day. Right. I'm making up for it on one day. That's what, <sighs> that's what I do. I don't know, ladies out there that are listening, if you have this problem, but it seems like the one time in the day where you try to get some time for yourself, whether it be going to the bathroom and taking care of business or going to shower everybody suddenly has an emergency and needs you. Can I get an amen from the ladies listening out right now? You can high five me through your radio or headphones right now because the struggle is real. Yesterday, uh, I was sitting down with um, the boy's mom because I'm going to be helping her out with uh, doing her flowers for her wedding. And we were sitting down looking through pictures and coming up with ideas. And in a one minute period of time, four interruptions. And it was like, emergency emergency first it was from who uh first it was you three times i can't find the right charger for my tablet right like, important chris, stuff it's, around chris, here it's in the flowered bag i don't see it chris it's in the flowered bag right, i don't see it so i had to get up and go over and help him and i said i think it's this one no i don't think it's this one it has to be a special one right oh. it does so he took that one upstairs then he comes downstairs that's not the right one i'm like exactly well, bring your tablet down and check it well i don't know which one it is i'm getting really frustrated so yes, then, I was getting yes, more frustrated. So then I had to step away from what I was doing and get your cord. And then I sit back down and then Jacob comes down. Christine, do you know where my wallet is? Yes, Jacob. It's in the laundry basket of clean clothes in on your desk in your bedroom. And then Mason, Christine, do you know where my $5 is from the Tooth Fairy? It's in the white basket on the desk in your bedroom. <laughs> and then Ezekiel's like, mom, mom, mom. Mom, are you going to get me that thing that we talked about? And I was like, Ezekiel, I'll do it in just a little bit. I'm sitting with Shannon. Oh, hi, Shannon. How are you? I'm like, Shannon, I think that we're going to have to pick this up at a time where no children are around. 
Yeah, that's what you do with almost everything. It's when no kids around, you get stuff done. When you have kids, that's why I used to always cram so much stuff during the week, like mow the lawn, uh, house care, house cleaning, laundry, all the big essentials. Because a lot of people probably save them for the weekend. But when I got all the kids here, the weekends, getting stuff done is pretty much... uh, Non-existent. Yeah. So that's why we don't plan to do anything with them except spend family time, podcast, and go out for dinner. That's it. That is the that is an appropriate level of expectation for the weekend. But yesterday, yesterday, Christopher. Yes, well, ma'am. Um, I think I'm going to go mow the lawn and I'm going to go clean the garage. Mind you, he had just said to me, it's over 100 degrees and it says that it's unhealthy air quality. And I'm thinking, hmm, mowing the lawn in that or cleaning the garage in that. Oh, speaking of lawn, I got to tell you, outside our beautiful backyard lawn, guess what we got now? What? Digging up in the holes in the, in the gophers? Lawn. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. It's I, like Caddyshack around here. I just saw a big old pile of dirt next to the fence, their yeah. neighbor's yard. There's a there's a dirt pile, just like the ones on the other side. And why are uh, you telling me this? Because that's why I was I'm thinking about today. I'm seriously gonna Caddyshack that business. I'm gonna just the kids have those little fake dynamites. I should just put the fake dynamite. No, down put there. real dynamite. Or do, how do you kill gophers? How do you kill them? Uh, you have to flood them out. Flood them out. But we don't want to flood anything around our house. I know. No hey, extra hey, water. Hey, speaking of flooding, do you remember what you found in the hotel uh, on the wall? Oh, my gosh, you guys. Two things. One, I didn't tell you about. But the first thing, I'm sitting on the couch on uh, Wednesday night, I think it was, in the hotel. And I was watching some Netflix because I was just like chilling and unwinding. And I look at the wall right next to the window, and there is a huge bubble in the paint. Not like like not like an air bubble. It was like it looked like there was a waterfall underneath the paint, and there was this huge bubble of water. And I was like, please do not tell me that there is a leak in this hotel room. There was. I got out a little straight pin and a towel and I just poked the hole and I drained out the water because I was like, that's the one nice thing that I can do. I didn't leave any damage on the wall. But uh, then the other thing that I found, well, you know what? I'm not going to say it because it's been a really nice hotel, but I think it's because there was a leak that there was some mold that was growing, including a little mushroom. Well, a mushroom. Oh, gross. I know. I found it behind the TV in the kids room. Where was that? Right by the cord for the Sega. What? Inside the wall? Like, no, like, like, in the, the carpet. Like in where the carpet meets in the corner. I think there must be a leak there. So I'm going to tell them that tomorrow. Oh, my good. You know what? If it wasn't for a fact that it was for free, we didn't pay for the hotel. Like I would ask for our money back. But how do we get our money back? We, no, we no, no. You know what? They were lovely. And I think that it was one of those things where maybe the room hadn't been used for a while because it did smell a little bit musty. Um, But the staff there did a a lovely job of coming in and cleaning once a week like they were allowed to. And anytime I asked for anything, they delivered it to the door right away, bagged up for safety, new linens, toilet paper. Uh, Whenever we would put need to take our trash out, we just left it outside of the door. We'd open the door and it was like gone. Um, The guys 
came and brought up the luggage rack to me when I needed to and load they everything. And fixed the uh, garbage disposal. Remember, yeah. remember that was broken. The guy came out and re- replaced the thing. Although the refrigerator, I don't know what's up with that stupid I thing. think that was our fault. Because a stupid door would never close right. So you, one day, was it yesterday or two days ago, I came home from work and the refrigerator was open. <laughs> so everything in the But I'd already taken everything other than your little bit of lunch stuff out of there. Yeah, so. I, I threw everything out. I threw all the stuff in the trash and threw it out of there. But, but uh, you know what? We are, we are very grateful. We... We both were panicking after, when the second flood hit only two months to the day after the first flood about what are we going to do? Is the insurance going to even cover it? Are they going to think it's our fault when it's water again? And we were both having a panic attack going through like, are we going to lose all of our, our wedding fund? Are we going to you know, have to let go of all of this? And we're just really grateful that the insurance covered everything, including the cost of us to be relocated so we didn't have to live in absolute chaos for several weeks. Right. And including with this heat wave, but right now, September and Oct- early October happens to be the hottest months of the year around here. Yeah. So and without air conditioning and without all that stuff, and what are you going to do, you know? Right. And so now we're home and we're on the 47-day countdown for the wedding. Woo-hoo! And in that phase, we talked about this at the end of last week, is we've been focusing on... Like, how do we talk about the things and work through the things that we need to in preparation for marriage? And this week's guest is going to be sharing some tips for helping us blend our family because she's just a few steps ahead of us. Right, Chris? Oh, yeah. And we will have her on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Once every harvest moon, a talk show comes along that is so groundbreaking, raising the bar to such heights that other podcasts step back and say, wow, that show's got it figured out. With a host tempered in focus, commitment, and sheer will, this is The Derek Duvall Show. Pop culture, news, and interviews with fascinating people that channel the great Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite. The Derek Duvall Show. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show. And find his new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. The Derek Duvall Show. The best thing to happen to hump days since the Geico camel. What what? And welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, we have another VIP guest. She is a business development executive, a newlywed, and one of my very best friends. Welcome to the show, Rowena Kent. Thank you so much, you guys. Hey, Rowena. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me, Chris and Christine. We're so excited to have you on the show. I mean, I am so excited. It's not like looking forward to this all day. I know I've been looking forward to it all week. It's Uh, not like it's been that long since I've seen you. I mean, what was it, three hours ago? What? I know. That's <laughs> cheating. We're like sisters, sisters from another mister. We see each other a lot. We so, do. so Christine flew three hours away to meet you. So where are you located in the world, Rowena? <laughs> she took her private jet. <laughs> I am located about um, 25 minutes up the road from you guys in a greater San Diego area, specifically Solana Beach. Wow, the beach house. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fantastic. And mm-hmm. so do you see the ocean from where you live? 
You know, I think in real estate, it would be considered a peekaboo view from um, the second floor. So we do see it on very clear days. We're about a mile from the ocean. Very grateful for that. And um, yeah, like I said, on clear days, we get to see the ocean in the distance. That's awesome. Now, I know that some coastal towns and some houses near the coast in San Diego area don't have air conditioning. Does your house? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Luckily, uh, this summer, it was maybe five days where we were struggling. We had all the windows open. We were running all the fans on high. We had ceiling fans that we were very grateful for. Um, so for about five days in the summer, we were struggling when it hit 90, 95. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, when you hit 95 there, it must have been like 115 here. Right. And um, gosh, I know what that's like. Air conditioning's going nonstop. And, uh, but you guys don't have air conditioning. I guess you don't really need it then. No, we don't have air conditioning. But um, I don't know if this is something you've uh, told the audience, but I know that you guys are waiting for your new air conditioning to be installed. That's right. Hopefully next week sometime they will install it. I, you know, they did fin finish uh, doing the construction on our house and putting the baseboards back together and painting the walls and all that. Right. And they, they created the platform where the air conditioning will sit once they deliver it and install it. But uh, we're still waiting on that. I guess it's back ordered. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's a work in progress. It's not so bad today, though. It's just in the 80s here. So actually, it's feeling pretty good right now. That's awesome. Luckily. Right. So you live up in the Solana Beach area. How long have you lived in San Diego in general? Yeah, great question. So I moved to San Diego from the greater Washington, D.C. area in 2008. So several years ago, I think, let me do the math really quick. What is that? 16 years? Uh, sorry. <laughs> I think it's 12 years. Well, it's 12 12 years. years ago? You moved over here 12 years ago then? Yeah, so I moved to San Diego 12 years ago. I think the reason why the number 16 stuck with me, I have been in the country for about 16 years. I'm I'm not a California native or even a um, native to the United States. I was born and raised in Germany. Wow. So I grew up in Europe. Good, guten Tag. Guten Tag. Is that, <laughs> guten Tag. Is that what you say? <laughs> yeah, guten Tag. That's good day or hello. Oh, what what is you are beautiful in German? Uh, du bist schön. Du bist schön. It sounds almost Chinese a little bit, the way, way I said it, probably. <laughs> and of course, Chris, you're going to want to know what means I love you in German. Everyone wants to know that one. Uh, wait for it. It is Ich liebe dich. Ich liebe dich. You got it. You're good at this. Ich liebe dich to both you ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too, Chris. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So what area of Germany did you grow up in, Rowena? Yeah, great question. So I grew up in the northwest of the country um, in a small city, 135,000 people live there, uh, considered countryside. Um, it is the, the actual name of the city where I was born and raised is Recklinghausen, which is a mouthful, a little bit larger cities in the area that the audiences may know would be Cologne or Dusseldorf. And then um, Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf. You've heard that before, Chris? No, no, but it just sounds like something you call somebody that was small. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the name of a city. It's not a small city. Um, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know how big it is, but that's about 45 minutes from us. And then um, the funny thing is that, um, you know, Europe, every, all the countries are so close together. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine Germany, the size of, let's say, Texas in the middle of Europe or the heart of Europe, uh, we were very close. Um, or the, the town where I was born and raised was very close to the border of the Netherlands. So we would go there a lot. And um, I even remember taking field trips when I was in high school to, you know, the Netherlands, or we will take the ferry over um, to Great Britain. So growing up in Europe is definitely something that I'm super grateful for. When you cross over to the other countries, is it very similar to the way the border here is, the Mexico-TJ border, where it's a big, long wait, you got a big, long processing, you know what I mean? Is it like that or is it pretty quick? Yeah, it, it used to be like that. Um, most of my life growing up there, it was exactly that same way. And then in my teenage years, once uh, Europe became the European Union, the uh, member countries actually took down those border crossings. Um, so it became a lot easier. For example, if, if we wanted to go over to, let's say, France, um, I used to have the thing that I would do with my girlfriends uh, during high school. We would get on a bus and uh, at nighttime to just wake up in Paris to shop all day and come back. And um, I'm saying that because it was a breeze. We were able to simply get on a bus, um, drive over the border. Um, we were sleeping at night and we would wake up in Paris, one of my favorite times, actually. Uh, wow. Just a fun thing that you can do in Europe. Yeah, once, once we became European Union, very, very easy. How, That's amazing. So how, how, how long of a drive, like a road trip, is it from your place to Paris? Yeah, great question. Let me try to remember. We would, um, and of course, the, the rules are a little bit different in Europe. And, um, you know, drinking age is a 16. So I do remember. What? Would, yes, the drinking age is 16 over there in Germany. I remember um, with my school friends, we would meet up on a Friday night and go to the bar or go to the pub and then make our way to the bus station around 1 a.m. in the morning, um, we would, you know, get a good night's rest. And um, re I remember waking up in Paris just around breakfast time, 7 a.m., between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. So you would ride the bus and you would sleep on the bus overnight until you yes. landed in Paris? And yes, exactly. Now, there are much more comfortable ways to travel. There is always, you know, the fast train or people fly. You have to remember we were 16, 17. We were on a budget. Right. And, um, <laughs> I guess desperate measures, right? Um, so we ended up taking the bus and sleeping on the bus. What, what, what form of... Uh, um revenue or payment you guys use? Was it the euro? Mm -hmm. At that time, we used the euro. Before the euro and before the European Union, our currency was the Deutsche Mark. The Deutsche Mark. I remember that. That's <laughs> great. Oh, wow. So in now I'm trying to remember in history when the Berlin Wall came down and like how far was that from you and how old were you when that all happened? Yeah, great question. So um, the wall came down New Year's Eve, 1989-1990. Um, um, I hope I'm in line with the history books. But that's <laughs> my recollection. Um, I was born in 1984. So at that time, I was uh, five or six. Right. Um, 
And I do remember just because it was New Year's Eve when uh, the crowd started flooding in from what was then East Germany, and it was big on the news. You have to imagine in the if this happened in the U.S., people would be in front of their televisions watching the ball drop, and then there would be interruption, interruption. This is happening, breaking news, and people just started flooding in through um, the Brandenburger Gate, which is the big gate that everyone knows in the middle of Berlin that was part of the division between um, East and West. And that's when um, the collapse happened. Did you um, happen to take a souvenir of the wall? I know those are popular. <laughs> but really, they were just bricks of some building someone found on the on the rubble or whatever, tried selling them. I heard about that. You know what I'm talking about? They were selling pieces of the wall or being sold out. Uh, I have heard about that, yes. I have been able to visit um, Berlin since. And by the way, quick side note, if you ever have the chance, please visit Berlin. It um, still has remnants of uh, what used to be the GDR. And you can actually, uh, in the souvenir shop, buy parts of what they say used to be the wall. Now, the price tag on those is very, I guess, not budget-friendly, so I don't have um, any pieces of the wall or what they claim to be. How much do you think it would sell for, like, say, a rock-sized piece? Probably 400 euros. Whoa! Mm -hmm. So what is that in dollars? Is that like 500 bucks? Yes, close to it. Wow, that's crazy. So what you got to do is you got to get your little piece of broken uh, rubble you found in the parking lot. <laughs> and you got to say that was the Berlin Wall and get a couple, couple euros out of it, you know? That's so funny. Now, that's right. If you guys ever end up sending the boys over to Europe when they're a little bit older, that's how they can make their travel money. You know, bring over some rubble and then um, <laughs> sell it at the Brandenburger Gate. There you go. That's Perfect. so funny. Now, I've heard Rowetta, and I've never seen them, but I've heard that Germany is famous in the holiday time for Christmas markets. What is that like? Yes, absolutely. Christmas markets, or what we like to call Christkindle market, just because in Germany we celebrate um, the um, the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. What it's like, it's a variety of different vendors that offer up food, crafts, um, a very famous type of cookie, Lebkuchen. If you guys have ever seen Lebkuchen, it's very, very finely decorated um, gingerbread, German version of gingerbread. So what's different about it? Like what's different about that versus the regular one? I think it has a little bit more spice to it. It's definitely got a kick to it. The ginger spicy then. Yes, the ginger. um, Yes, it definitely has some kick to it and it's a little bit more spicy, but the way that they make it sweet is by putting a ton of icing in it. And it's icing that dries fairly quickly and they make these cookies in heart shape, put a um, kind of a ribbon to it. So people like to wear it around their necks and it could say... I love Chris and Christine would give it to you. She would take Whoa. it off her neck and then pass it over to you as a sign of her appreciation. Then would I eat it as I get it? I don't. <laughs> is that how you do like a bite out of it? Like I take a bite, you should take us a bite. We share yes, bites. You can, you can. A lot of people like to just dry it and uh, there's no, um, you know, it doesn't fall apart. It's very shelf stable and they actually like to keep it as a memory. That's so cool. So you had this great childhood of memories of European memories and then what brought you to Washington DC yes um 
So what actually ended up happening, I finished in Germany, we actually go to high school for about 13 years. And um, the last year is very significant, where it's really decided whether you're a fit for university or for what we call a trade school, where you then would take a practicum, and you would um, learn a job hands on. So that very last year, um, my family was going through some things my my family had split up and um, I was struggling in school long story short so I did have the intent to go to university however I didn't make um, the grades that I was supposed to make to continue on to university immediately after graduating graduating high school so I ended up with a year that I would have to wait and quote-unquote stand in line for my spot at university I decided, yes, um, I know it's a very different system over in Germany, very different than many countries in Europe, but of course, especially very different to here. I think a lot of high schoolers here um, find it easy to get into, let's say, a junior college or um, go get into university. You guys have the SAP tests and things like that. We don't have that. It's just based on the GPA that you receive in that last year of high school. Only the last year? Like the last year, so so you can screw, you can be a screw off all year, all all (laughs) high school young, but as long as your last one you study, you're good. Uh, pretty much, yes. Oh, okay. It's not a cumulative GPA. It's really everything builds up to this extra 13th year, which is added on for a reason. And um, my understanding is here it ends up after the 12th year, correct? 12th grade? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I ended up with having some extra time on my hand. I thought, well, I have a year that I'm waiting for my spot at university. I would like to use that year very wisely. And um, I contemplated a few options. I said, well, maybe I can just travel around. And, you know, I was 19 at the time. So I was able to um, make these type of adult decisions. I could, you know, go visit another country. And the first thing that I thought of, well, I would like to go somewhere where I've never been. So initially I thought Brazil. Well, that's too bad. I don't speak Portuguese. (laughs) So (laughs) what I had learned in high school was uh, English, a little bit of French and a little bit of Italian and um, the little bits of French and Italian weren't going to get me anywhere in that particular (laughs) country so as um, you know I came it came down to English and I said well I have never been to the United States it um, it sounded like a crazy idea at the time you have to remember it was around 2003 Um, that I had graduated and you all know what happened in 2001, correct? It was in 9-11. It was still top of mind for people when they heard about the United States. That was one of the things that was just top of mind at the time. Um, You know, things hadn't unfolded like they are today where we look back upon it and, and know that we were fine thereafter. 
but at the time there was just a lot of uncertainty. So I brought the idea to my mom uh, specifically saying, hey, you know, I would like to go to the U.S. And she said, well, how are you going to go and get there? (laughs) And um, I I went on Google and uh, started looking up ways to spend a year in the United States. And the most common or easiest way, the path of least resistance to do that Um, while also having a little bit of a support network is being a au pair. Have you guys heard of au pairs before? Uh, The only au pairs I get are at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) So an au pair is quote unquote a living nanny that is coming from another country to spend a year with a host family, in uh, this case in the United States, uh, live in their home, learn the culture, work on their language skills, and also be part of the family by watching the children for a certain number of hours each and every week. So it's kind of like an exchange student that also provides childcare. Yes, exactly. Very much so. Um, so any au pair that comes to the U.S., um, it's all monitored through the Department of State. There okay. is a requirement to get uh, six class credits. And most au pairs choose going to school uh, for learning language skills. So they would take a, a ESL class, a English as a foreign language class at a, a community college and learn and they would earn their credits that way. And um, of course, there's a, a stipend that's paid for the childcare. Um, that's minimal and non-significant. However, it's treated as a pocket money, so that an au pair could then um, explore, you know, this city, uh, travel a little bit within the United States. Um, the au pair agencies usually provide a connection to the other au pairs in the area, so that uh, an au pair is able to make some friends and, um, you know basically create a community of other au pairs that are from various different countries. So the au pair, I'm sorry, the au pair company provides mm -hmm. you with the house. So you get to pick which house you get to go to or how does that work? Do they pick it for you? (laughs) It's almost like a job interview process. Now, in my case, I remember myself being in Germany. I was 19. I applied to this um, au pair agency. There was a screening process, a background check, and also a assessment of your your fit to be abroad with a um, a family that you may not be familiar with, basically strangers, and assess your your relentlessness, so to say. So you live with the family. You don't live in a separate housing area with other au pairs. So it's like you live with them in a room, your own room or whatever, and then you take care of the kids and you're learning English and that's it? Absolutely, yes. You get to live with the family um, in your own room and uh, provide childcare for up to 45 hours a week. There is a limit of up to 10 hours a day. Uh, You have a full weekend off. You have two weeks vacation. You get paid a stipend each and every week, um, which, again, is is minimal, and it depends on the different states. Uh, In this case, in the state of California, I happen to know it's about 200 a week for au pairs that are with host families in the state of California. That's what you make? That's what they have to pay? That's what you make. What so what does the family so say for example just pretend that Christine and I wanted to do this au pair thing what would it yeah. cost us to do this 
Yeah, great question. So you would be considered a host family and would be looking for a au pair agency that would help you match with an au pair in whatever country she may be in. And uh, you would pay them probably between five and six thousand for this matching process. And after that, you would only be responsible for uh, homing the au pair, the stipend of 200 a week, and um, it's room and board. So uh, you would also be responsible for any food costs for the au pair while she's with you. So five to six thousand dollars up front, a two hundred dollar a week recurring cost. Yeah, but you get she's writing this down by the way. She's writing all no, the notes. No, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, but you get up to forty five hours a week of childcare. Correct. For an entire year. Absolutely. Well don't forget the vacations. It's just to get vacations they take off. Yes, there is two weeks paid vacation that the Department of State um, requires for the au pairs to have, and then uh, a full weekend off a month. And one and a half days each week. So most of pairs just work Monday through Friday. They go to school, get their credits during the night, then they have the weekend off and, um, you know, travel, meet friends. Now with COVID times, I'm sure it's a little bit different. Oh, yeah. But, uh, that's how the program was laid out. And uh, that's the long story of how I came to the United States. So mm-hmm. after you're doing your au pair um, thing. What did you do after that? Yes. Yeah, so after I finished my au pair and um, I took the time to go to a community college outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland, I actually ended up um, getting a student visa after the au pair program had finished and uh, transferred from that community college with my credits into San Diego State. So I went all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. And now the big question is why? Well, uh, the big big question I have is, how'd you get there? Did you drive, fly, or uh, how'd you do it? That's a really great question. I flew with all my belongings, which at the time, when you move to a different country or you immigrate, um, you your belongings basically fit in one or two suitcases. Uh, so that's what I had. And... Um, you know, ended up flying from Washington, D.C. to San Diego. I had um, received a spot at San Diego State Business School. And um, the best out of everything and the reason why I chose San Diego State, not only because I wanted to be in California, in beautiful San Diego, they also have a fantastic international student program that enabled me to get in-state tuition. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that about San Diego State. Yeah, they have a fantastic international student program, one of the biggest in the country. Well, that's great. I had no idea. So you started school in San Diego, at San Diego State, and what degree did you end up earning? Yeah, I ended up getting a um, business management degree with a specialization in entrepreneurship. So I'm very much entrepreneurial minded. And to this day, I still don't own my own business per se. But I think it's more of a mindset than anything else. And um, if you'd like me, I can speak a little bit to what I do today and how that entrepreneurial mindset kind of feeds into it and how I've benefited from getting that degree. Yeah, please please go right ahead. 
<laughs> so I've been um, out of school for about eight years. I ended up getting a degree in 2012. And yes, I realized there is a big gap of years in between. Long story short, I took my time at San Diego State. I really enjoyed being in school. <laughs> Awesome. Are you in a, um, what's that fraternity? What's the sorority. Sorority. A sorority. Yeah. I was not. I actually, I was a very untraditional student. Um, you have to imagine by the time that I started San Diego State, I was already mid-20s. I think I was 23, 24. And um, I actually lived off campus. I was about 23, 24. And I really wanted to have my own living quarters. I didn't want to live in the dorms or share my room with anyone. And also the idea of being in a sorority did not appeal to me at all. One of the things that's actually very different going to college uh, here in the United States versus um, in Europe that just the idea of a sorority or being part of a club, quote unquote, is not even something that's um, implemented or integrated going to school in Europe. So the idea of being part of a club full of girls that made you do <laughs> things to get in was just not appealing. That's so funny. I was in a sorority and I remember what, going you through. Were? Or, yeah, I, I remember going through all of the hazing activities and I was like, is this what it so your, takes? Your to bra get was your bra was in the freezer? No. <laughs> I was in a Christian sorority, but they were pretty brutal. <laughs> wow. So you you enjoyed your time making it through college and you got this business management degree. And then where did it propel you to? Like where what are you doing now? Yeah, great question. So years forward, I am now a senior business development executive for a IT consultancy. Um, it sounds like a really big deal what it boils down to. I'm in a sales and business development role, and I sell into large enterprise size uh, companies, specifically in Southern California, so in the greater San Diego and Orange County area. And the type of service Services or consulting services that I sell are around machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, cloud infrastructure, um, DevOps, SecOps, uh, software development. Um, it's a very, very exciting field to be in. Um, I spend a lot of time, you know, meeting new people, um, creating a new business. And one of my favorite things for being in the industry is actually that I never stop learning. I am always on the cutting edge of things, know what's coming down the pipe and know what's very important to businesses around us. That is fantastic. Now, speaking of that, do you have any idea? Can you tell us, give us a little heads up? What's what's the big thing technology-wise we should be looking out for? Do you know anything <laughs> like that? Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely say artificial intelligence. I don't um, know if I like that. I've seen Terminator <laughs> 1 and 2. I've seen all those movies. <laughs> and, and the robots take over, and they were all robot slaves. <laughs> you know what? Your point is so valid. And before I got into that industry, I looked upon it the very same way. Oh, they're going to take our jobs. This is about robots. And um, I actually felt very threatened by it. And now that I'm in the industry and actually know what artificial intelligence or machine learning is, I tend to see the good side of it. Um, I can give you an example if I may. Please yeah. do. Yeah. 
One of the platforms our organization was able to build is work with the, the local government and um, one of the past senators of California. I'm not going to mention the name. What his vision was is to leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning to combat child abuse. Oh, wow. Now you how? probably how wonder, do you like those, how yeah. does it work? Yeah. Um, It really comes down to building a platform, let's say a software. In this case, what we taught the software to do is actually read documents that are scanned into this software. This was a specific project around child abuse as it relates to um, the church, the Catholic church. Um, We all know there have been instances that have been reported. And this platform specifically was built to read old documents of reports where instances of child abuse were reported um, pertaining a specific individual. Now, the software scans, I mean, this is like millions of documents as something that the human eye or a human would take a long time for it to do. All this data along with geographic data, um, number of instances, uh, you know, children reporting instances, all this um, data was uploaded into this platform to help predict what type of an individual coming into, um, in this place, uh, in this case, the church, may be more likely to um, be a risky individual or maybe a threat to certain individuals, in this case, children. That's insane that it can do that, like analyzing all of those millions of documents and then coming up with kind of an, almost like an assessment of risk. Very much so. You actually said it better than I did. Yes, it's very much about uh, who is vulnerable, then uh, who poses a a threat or a risk to um, that vulnerable community and be able to warn congregations or, um, you know, the, the local government. And it's not really about, you know, the nanny state or big brother. It's more about, hey, let's look at this a little bit closer. There are data points here that have shown in the past that this could be an individual we want to look at a little bit closer or uh-huh. monitor um, and potentially prevent um, this misconduct in this case i could see that being used for things um with like uh who who can be allowed to buy a gun and who can carry who cannot carry because you got guys that have instances where they uh do something very horrible but they say well he was all cleared he was okay to carry it yeah because it didn't relate to a gun specifically but it might have been other behavior right chris well yeah i'm saying that like um like when they do the background check to get a, get a firearm, they they say, well, he has no criminal record of any kind. But Rowena, what you're saying with this software, they can go deeper than just the basic, has he had a ticket or not kind of a thing. They go deeper, right? Absolutely. Yes, it's more comprehensive, especially when um, in this case we were, um, you know, hired to do this very specifically for the Catholic Church. And, you know, it could have been really anyone, whether it's a Boys and Girls Club or any other organization um, that has to do with vulnerable children. So this is not, um, you know, I'm not saying anything against the church. I'm describing the scenario, but yes, absolutely. I think um, it's something that could 
then replicated when it comes to gun control or identifying um, maybe students that are more likely to start a school shooting. I mean, you name it. And um, this goes back to your question earlier that, hey, is artificial intelligence dangerous or does it pose a threat? It could, but it really depends on the application. And there are so many nuances um, of what artificial artificial intelligence actually is. Okay, all I gotta say is that when you guys get the, the robots up and running, make sure they do not <laughs> I, I've seen the movie, to make sure they do not have control of missile command. Because that's <laughs> that's where it all ends. <laughs> That's hilarious, I'll make Chris. Sure I'll relay that message. Chris. You relay it to the boss. You'd say, "Hey, <laughs> hey, these these computers, um, you know, make sure they don't touch the buttons." <laughs> well, it sounds like you've done some really amazing things, Rowena, in your life and in your professional career. And let's talk about your personal life. You've had some pretty exciting things happen over the last couple of months. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. I actually ended up having a small, I call it the pandemic wedding. Um, My now husband and I, yes, we were engaged for over a year and had reserved July 4th, 2020 for our wedding here locally in San Diego with our friends. We planned, you know, a big um, barbecue, something really low key, but again, the size of maybe 40, 50 people. When things started shutting down due to the pandemic, um, him and I spoke and uh, decided that, hey, it's probably best to not count on the fact that we'll be able to have this big gathering to celebrate our marriage on 4th of July. And um, my now husband, Andrew, came up with the idea, hey, why don't we look into ways to get married very small scale um, prior to 4th of July so that there's no pressure on that date. And um, that's what we ended up doing. We ended up getting married April 24th down in uh, the San Diego courthouse area. And when when I say the courthouse area, we were not allowed to go into the courthouse. We actually had to get married what they called the marriage hut, which uh, all it was was a converted (laughs) snack stand stand outside of the courthouse. (laughs) Wow, that's great. So your uh, pandemic wedding at the marriage hut, how did that feel? Um, it felt super fun. It was very easy. There was uh, no pressure. Of course, we were sad that we didn't have um, any more witnesses other than my stout, my now stepdaughter. But it actually was just right for us. We are very, you know, simple people. I mean, we have ambitions and careers and all of that. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't take a big event for us to ha- to want to celebrate our our wedding. I appreciate that. I have mad respect for that. That is fantastic. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, congratulations. And then there was something else fun that happened on that day when you went down for your little wedding for three. What ended up (laughs) happening? Yes, we just anticipated it would be us three and a photographer that would take pictures from the distance. We didn't think anything of it. We did the ceremony. We started posing for pictures throughout um, the park that's right surrounding the courthouse here in San Diego at the waterfront. And all of a sudden, cameras started setting up around us. Microphones were pulled out and aimed towards us. And um, we learned from... Um, 
the people that were, you know, running around with their cameras, that there was supposed to be a protest around the courthouse um, for the coronavirus shutdown, for wearing masks. And you guys have all heard it on the news. Right. Long story short, the protest, for whatever reason, wasn't uh, able to take place. And we ended up being interviewed for the news, the local Whoa. news here. Yes, very exciting. And um, it's one of our favorite wedding memories because... Basically, they did the job for us. They spread the word. They put us on the news. And really? we got our own little segment. Um, of you, course, with a couple other people that got interviewed. Well, do you have that? Do you, ha- do you have that segment? Can we see it? Yeah. Yes. It's on do. YouTube or something? Uh, yes, it is, actually. I'm happy uh, can, to send it on over. Oh, please. I'd like to see that. would be great. Well, that it's sounds, a great memory. When we actually so end up doing um, the party to celebrate the wedding, we'll probably have to play it for everyone at that time. That sounds great. That sounds so much fun. And so you mentioned that you have a new stepdaughter. Uh, you know, Chris and I are getting married very soon. Yes, I'm very excited for it. And I'm you. so thrilled to be there. You're thank excited. You. I'm nervous. And Christine's excited. So. <laughs> but... Uh, learning to bring in another child because you mentioned that you were kind of a single gal coming into this. What has that experience been like blending families? You know what? It's been challenging at times, but overall, it's definitely been so rewarding. Now, I do have to say that in my instance, um, my now stepdaughter, she's eight and a half now when I met her, she was six. And I think at that age, it's a it's a perfect age to be able to open up to someone new, someone, you know, your dad is seeing, your, your dad is getting engaged to. So I think I'm very fortunate um, that she was the age she was, but also that she's the little girl that she is, and is just very kind and um, very kind-hearted, very sweet. So you think that had she been, say, 15, 16, it would have been a little harder to get closer to you at that age than versus oh, being... Oh, 100%. Yes. Imagine she was a tween or a teenager. I think she probably would have given me a hard time. Right, right. Yeah, we're navigating a little bit of that because, you know, Mason is... Um, our youngest, and he was uh-huh. around the same age as your stepdaughter when Chris and I started dating. But we have also Chris has a now ten year old, and I have a now fifteen and a half year old. And right. well, ten and a half and fifteen and a half, and it's definitely a little bit of a different dynamic. I would imagine so. What are t- and kind of the biggest things you guys are struggling with? Well, I think that we have three boys, and <laughs> testosterone <laughs> is just flowing, and they want to be. Everybody wants to be the best, and everybody it, it gets very aggressive and uh, territorial, I guess, a little bit. I right. think. Yeah. So definitely, the testosterone is a big factor. But I think the other thing is like trying to figure out who disciplines the kids because they're uh-huh. used to like or Chris's what style. Bo- and also, we have don't forget we also have other spouses in the picture too. So we have my right. ex-wife wants to do things her way, always her way, and then and then. <laughs> And then, and then my uh, my ex husband also, you know, we have a different style, and so I think na- navigating that um, has been something of a challenge. Where I'm saying to Chris, like, come on, you've got to like follow through. You've got to be firmer, and his style is a little bit more collaborative than mine. So it's definitely. What do you mean by collaborative? What do you well, mean? Well, we're not going to get into all of our business right now. But <laughs> well, now I'm curious. No, it's just, you know, two different styles from two different types of experiences. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that um, 
you've experienced because even though you don't have you haven't brought in children of your own, you had your experience as an au pair. Right, absolutely. Um, I think it's uh, it's similar to kind of your challenges. Definitely different parenting styles. I um, since I've been an au pair and I was there to watch other people's children, their work. You know, I would say standards of you have to be right there when you bring them outside, or um, you know, you have to kind of hover over them when you take them to the mall, and you would feel this immense sense of responsibility um, because they're other people's children. Now, in this case, it's still someone else's child. It's my husband's daughter. um, But there is definitely more sense of of ownership and that I can create my own style of parenting. So that's been something that is, uh, you know, a beautiful thing that came out of it that, hey, I'm not here. I'm not paid to be here. Let me figure out, you know, what's my my own style. And I'm learning that because of my background as a nanny, it's actually more, um, a little bit more strict. You know, I definitely am watching what she eats, what, um, you know, how much candy, how much sugar, is she drinking enough water? And, you know, my husband looks at me and thinks I'm crazy and he's very much hands off. However, when she's not listening, he tends to be a little bit more strict and definitely likes to be the disciplinarian. Ah, got it. There you go. There you go. Well, I'd say one bonus to coming in when she's six years old is that you got you had to skip out on all the diaper stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right and all and all like the baby car seat and the strollers and all that stuff you know like that stuff can kind of get old after a while okay get the stroller out okay get the car seat out. okay make sure you get the pack you go honey get the pack pack with all the diapers and all the stuff yes oh i forgot the formula you know yeah that, that was all fun. yes and i wonder you know some of the listeners they may be in that very same situation where they may have a blended family where there's a big age difference between the fa- the i'm sorry the children that they're blending maybe one is bringing in a toddler um, that's learning how to walk and another one has someone that's in third grade Um, there are various challenges when you're blending families and um, you know I hope that um, the listeners can just learn and grow through this experience once it all works out nicely it's definitely a beautiful gift and a beautiful experience I could not have said that better. And we're so happy for you and for your husband and your stepdaughter and for this new family unit you've built. And we just want to say thank you so much for sharing just a little bit of your journey. As I said, you're one of my very closest friends and I appreciate you and how supportive you've been of Chris and I in our relationship. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be on the podcast and very happy, uh, Christine, for you and Chris and very excited to be there um, at your wedding day. Oh, thank you. Of course. You you are invited. Christine, she's invited, right? <laughs> of, course. <laughs> of course she is. I'm just making sure. Of course she is. And uh, so thanks again for being on the show and listeners, um, Thanks for joining us for a great little show with one of my best friends, Rowena. Feeling some anxiety from life's little inconveniences? Need something to take the edge off and put a smile on your face? Then you, dear listener, have stumbled into the right place. My name is Miles Long, and I'm the host of the Laughs and Rec podcast. This is an invitation to escape your troubles for a while and enjoy some fun and adventure. 
On this podcast, I talk about anything and everything, as long as we can have some fun with it. We will talk about fun, pointless topics, discuss news, play games, give amateur movie and video game reviews, drink, do Q&As, share and discuss food recipes, blow off some steam, have some interesting interviews with real and fake people, and so much more. Your interest is peaked, isn't it? At this point, you're probably wondering, where can I find this wonderful podcast and start listening? Check out the Laughs and Rec podcast on Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, and Podbean. You can also find the show links on Twitter when you follow me at LaughsRec, or on the show's Facebook page. So drop in and visit me. Relax, unwind, and unclench from your stressful little life. Enjoy some you time, and have some laughs and a little mental recreation, here at the Laughs and Rec podcast. Hey everybody, this is Dino with Hog Podcast. And Michelle. <laughs> I almost cut you off. That's okay. We just want to let you know that you can find us at gangalley.com. It's like a gang in an alley. Gangalley.com. We're on iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Double Pod, Apple. And we have a YouTube channel for supplemental material. But what do we normally talk about? Oh, gosh. Everything, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we touch on whatever is whatever poignant the, that week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wrap it into movies, TV, pop culture, whoever's ticking us off. <laughs> ticking me off. <laughs> <laughs> Social media toxicity. But we always have one important message. The most important message. Be decent to each other. So check us out. Aw, podcast. Aww. <laughs> Peace. Well, that was fantastic having your friend Rowena on the show today. I know. It was so much fun. And, you know, I don't know if I told you, but Rowena was the one that helped me know all of the steps that we needed to take to get our marriage license. Really? Because she was already a professional at doing it. I know. So she and I were out on a girls' date night. At, we went to the Lot La Jolla back on September 1st, I think it was. Okay. And she was like, oh, there's a big waiting time period right now. Like there's a backlog of, for being able to get your marriage license because Why? of COVID. Wait, backlog because of COVID? Yeah, like, first of all, people were, like, having to cancel their weddings, and then they're only letting, like, certain number of people in to get their marriage license, and, like, at the marriage hut, you have to, like, have a time the frame. marriage hut. Yeah, that's the one she talked about where she got married downtown, remember? Oh, yeah. Is that the name of the uh, place, or is that the company? That's that what it? they call it. It's the marriage hut. It's downtown at the county clerk's office. You can't go into the the place, the courthouse or whatever it is anymore and have a courthouse wedding you have to do it outside oh okay now i follow you sorry right so when she and i looked it up um i realized that there was a place in santee not far from our house and so i scheduled it back for october 1st not realizing we were going to be living across town at the time (laughs) right i mean who could predicted the uh, whole entire house disaster of 2020 you know right but what did we end up doing on october 1st on october 1st we went all the way over to the santee uh 
courthouse or what? Not courthouse. It's the, the county clerk's office. Clerk's office, and we signed our lives away. <laughs> with signing the paperwork for our marriage license, which you are officially licensed to get married. Licensed to kill, as you would say. No, licensed. Licensed to get married on November 20th. It's so funny, though. You, you, when we were in the car, you were like, or no, actually, we were leaving the hotel. And you're like, why are we going today? Like, why Why are we getting married today? I said, right. no, we're not. We're just getting the license that allows us to get married. You were adamant that we were getting married. And you're, like, thought, you're like, is that what you want to wear? <laughs> I thought we were physically getting married and we just do the ceremony. That's how you do it. No. You, get the, you get the paperwork. You sign the pa- documents first and then you go and get the ceremony. The ceremony is just f- facade. It doesn't do nothing. Yes, it does. The you actual, can't. The you're actual, not married yeah, until no, the person that I'm conducts te- it. No, I'm telling you. No. This is how it works. You actually sign the paperwork first, the loan docs, and then... Then you uh, the the ceremony is just for show. No, it's not. It's like when you, so think of it like a refi. You did your docu sign ahead of time. Then they had to have the notary come out to actually verify everything. Well, she and verified then it was it's official. at the courthouse. Like she took my license. But it's not done until you actually have somebody perform the ceremony. I don't so, think so. Yeah. I don't think, because when you go to Vegas and you get to, get the Elvis weddings or whatever they do it, the chapel weddings, you just go through there. But you gotta you gotta go to the to the clerk's office first before you can do that. Because you have to have the license to prove that you can get married. It's a two-step process, honey. Well, you know what? That's why I let Christine take care of this stuff. I, I, you know what? I would be like, we're signing. We're done. We're good. We're, we're good. not married yet. We just have the license. It's like a permission slip. And the biggest question of all is, did we or did we not sign a prenup? We did not. We did not? I thought we did. No, we what did didn't. What did I sign that? I think something. You're such a doofus. I signed something. No. So the lady, something. it was so funny. What the, did it say? We started, um, they had all these signs up in the county clerk's office. Do not ask our staff for legal advice. So Chrissy goes, what did you say? What I said, you? what do you think about doing a prenup? Should we do one? <laughs> and she goes, well, you've already signed for your marriage license. So that's out of the question. What? It is? Are I you think sure? So. I think you have to do it before you sign the license. Can I put you in my will then instead? Huh? I can I put did I put you my will on the paperwork? No, that's a whole separate process. You don't have a will. Yes, I do. It's, we just signed it at the clerk's, clerk's office. That's a marriage license. Well, it's like a will because everything I die, it goes to you. No, if if you die and it's not and I'm not listed as your beneficiary, it goes to probate. Well, that probate's going to be a wealthy guy. Let me tell you. <laughs> Mr. Producer Probate. Way too much right now. Like, why are we even talking about all of this? I don't know, but. Long story short, we got our marriage license all squared away. So we are officially allowed to get married in the state of California. Yes, we are. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good. You know, um, it feels like I've accomplished something. And I was kind of worried because both of us came from divorces. And according to whatever we did previously, did the paperwork get taken care of right? You know, because if there was any screw ups, are they still going to check that stuff, by the way? Or have they already checked that stuff out? No, it's only if you got divorced within 90 days prior to getting married that they require the documents. But I had the whole stack. I had, I'd requested from the East County Courthouse your divorce documents. So I have a certified copy. I have my certified copy. I had our birth certificates, my passport, everything. I was not going to leave this one to chance. 
Right, because that would suck if all of a sudden, like, if I get married and then they find out you're like technically married because there was a glitch, someone didn't dot an I or cross a T. I know, right? In the paperwork, and then you're not really officially married. But you know what? We are. We're not married yet, but we are on the path to get married, which happens to be in November twentieth of two thousand and twenty at three p.m. A fantastic year, by the way. <laughs> this year has been so amazing. We're going to cap it off with the wedding. It'll be amazing. You're hilarious. This will be the high point of the year. Uh, But what else did we do yesterday, Chris? Yesterday, I'm trying to think, way back in yesterday's memory. Where did I take you and the boys? Oh, we went to uh, lunch? Well, after that. Oh, right. I can't think. I'm on a wedding topic talks right now. I Mm -hmm. got sidetracked. Well, before we did that, we went to lunch and the kids had their cells, virgin strawberry daiquiris, and they were so excited to chug them along. I know they were huge. I know they were like big milkshakes. Uh, Yeah, they couldn't even drink half of them. Well, Jacob sucked his down, but the other boys barely. I mean, they should have split one. The other little ones. Well, Zeke and and Mason. But um, after that, right after lunch, we drove across the street. Drove across the street to the men's warehouse, which happens to be sitting next to David's Bridal, which I don't know why they didn't call it, call it like Susie's Bridal. This guy, David, David and Men's Warehouse, side by side. What if that's all about? So we go into Men's Warehouse where Christine had made a reservation for us to try on and get fitted and pick out the boys and I our wedding suits for the wedding. And did you go with a suit? No, we went with a tuxedo. That's what we normally do. And the tuxedos, I don't remember what color we got. We got black when black. You, okay. Ezekiel picked the jacket. Ezekiel and Chris picked the jacket. Each, Each boy got to pick one aspect of it. And of course, they picked... The most expensive tuxedo. They went for... We the, did? They went for the Vera Wang tuxedos. Oh, wow. I don't know what that even means. She's a very fancy wedding designer. For the price you paid for the tuxedo, you should buy one. No, it's more expensive to buy one. It is? Yeah. I thought they were like a couple hundred bucks. Not a Vera Wang. What, what do they cost if I buy it? A Vera Wang tux, probably around $1,000. Woohoo! So... So, Ezekiel picked the jackets out. Jacob picked out the vest. Yes. Mason picked out the shirts. Yes. And then who picked out the cufflinks? Jacob. Who picked out the pants? Uh, they We went standard. Okay. And who picked out the shoes? Uh, you and Zeke. Okay. Yeah. So, they went with a black Vera Wang tuxedo jacket. Mason picked a black shirt to go underneath it. Jacob picked a champagne-colored vest and a coordinating tie, and then we found a pocket square to go with it. And then Chris and Zeke picked the black, shiny, square-toed dress shoes. You guys are going to look so dapper. Ooh, and Jacob was so excited picking everything out. He's all up there, up in front. Oh, I want this one. I want that one. Oh, I want to try this one on. I want to try that one on. And they were running around the store, and uh, they were so funny. They were cracking jokes with the uh, lady that was trying to do the uh, measurements for them. And Ezekiel kept saying, yeah, I'm 25. <laughs> yeah, my name's some rapper name. He kept saying, I don't know. And then Mason said the same oh, thing, Oh, yeah, too. she said, what's your name? And he's like, Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's talking with her. They're totally flirting. I know. These little boys. I swear. And she's like measuring them. And then the boys were trying on the jackets and they looked so adorable. So adorable. Yeah. Yeah, So exciting. We will send all the pictures out when it happens. Um, Do we think we should toss up the picture of them getting uh, fitted? Um, Sure. Yeah. I'll put them up on Instagram, on our Instagram uh, later today. So you guys can check that out today, Sunday. 
Um, and right after we post this episode, I'll, I'll do a barrage on our K2 Studio uh, stories so that you can check them out there. Fantastic. And if you want to find out more about us and all this fantastic stuff, you can go to www.chrisandchristineshow.com. And, and is, go ahead. That is Chris and Christine with K's. What you got, babe? Yeah. So I also wanted to say we would really love to hear more feedback from you, our listeners. We've got a couple of emails, but we would really like to know what your impressions are of some of our most recent episodes and get some feedback from you. And so uh, we are going to, over the next month, be accepting listener emails for feedback. And we're going to choose one of you to be the lucky winner of an Amazon gift card. And so you're going to want to... What? Why'd you want this by me? <laughs> this is news to this me. Was, this was feedback provided by one of our listeners saying it would be really fun for you to engage more of the listeners through email. And so it's an idea that I came up with. So email us at chrisandchristinepodcast at gmail.com. That's Chris and Christine with Ks. Podcast at gmail.com. And send us a couple lines. To let us know what you love, what you'd like to hear more of. And we will pick one of you on November 5th to be the winner of a Amazon gift card. And we can't wait to hear from all of you fantastic listeners out there. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate this. It is amazing. This whole journey of podcasting has been an amazing trip. And we love each and every one of you. Yes, we do. And we will be back with you next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward. <laughs>